My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is Anamorphology. The Invasion. The Visitor. The Encounter. The Message. The Predator. The Capture. The Stranger. The Alien. The Secret. The Android. The Forgotten. The Reaction. The Chain. The Unknown. The Escape. The Underground. The Decision. The Slow Departure. The Second Discovery. The Proposed Threat. The Mutation. The Violation. The Deception. The Suspicion. The Unexpected Sacrifice. The Diversion. The Beginning. Hi everyone! This episode is about Animorphs Book 37. At least, Gray thinks it's about Animorphs Book 37. You may think you've read 37, but chances are you haven't read the book we're talking about. If you want to read it before listening to the episode, head over to our website at animorphology.com. Okay, so we read Book 37. Gray's making a lot of faces. The weakness. <laughs> yeah, Gray like literally just finished it. I, yeah. We were all, we were all so Seconds weird. ago. So what Sorry. did you think of the weakness? I'm so confused. I'm what are you so confused, confused about, Gray? Well, but why does the cover text say the thing that isn't in the book that the thing and then... This has long been a question. <laughs> I was so... My whole... It was all about that. You know, you're you really didn't have a chance of predicting this I one. Or in the big it scheme was of very things, unfair. But in the big <laughs> scheme of things, you managed to be remarkably correct. So Actually, I yeah. Think you should, I think you should. Well, be. they didn't go to the escort homeworld. Right, they didn't. But, but the escort showed up. The escort up. showed up. I am the queen of predictions. You are the queen yeah, of yeah, predictions. Yeah. So, like, in a the weird Lyra way, did not show out. up. But you know, no, but. The it was very Lyra thematically. It was also very Lyra. So it, like, what? There's a lot so of right. point. Gray, <gasps> you're so right. Queen of predictions. Yes. I can't promise the predictions will continue to be this easy going forward. <laughs> easy. But... Well, okay. You pick a new book where everything's going to happen, and I'm sure it will. Yes, obviously. Yeah, we already know what happens in what, Visser One <laughs> yes. escapes in fifty, and Cryak dies in fifty three, and. And then they do the reset button. Oh, yeah, the reset button. So do they still get married after the reset button is pushed? Yes, because it reset button and then it skips ahead and there's still a Harry Potter epilogue. Nice. The Harry Potter epilogue was universally acclaimed and there are no problems. Yes, I love it very much. Tobias and Rachel. Therefore. Names, you know, the child, Elfangor. And Viscer 3. And Viscer 3. He was the bravest man we've ever known. Oh, they better not redeem Viscer 3. Well, it turns out he was in love with Visser One's host. <laughs> All right. We're, so, we're already getting way off topic. We have to Craig, aside from the cover text not matching, what do you think of the book? I don't love it, but I liked parts of it very much. Okay, okay. And I cannot believe how many times we talked about the, like, Russian doll of morphing. <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and neither of you let on that it happened. We got to that part, and I was like, how do they do that? <laughs> we are the most sneaky. You are so good at this. Very, very sneaky. <laughs> very sneaky, very good at lying to my face. I'm a little concerned. It was very hard to discuss some of that stuff without referencing this book. Yes. I will admit. Crazy. Yeah. You guys are so good at this. I'm so excited to finally be able to talk about all of it. I know. It's going to be great. What did you think, Jenny? I like this one a lot. I liked it more than I did when I read it as a kid. I think mm. I appreciated some of the thematic stuff a little bit more. It felt much more robust than the last one, mm. which was just kind of a throwaway. And I, was, I had kind of forgotten there were ones in the late 30s that I liked this much. I also like this one more than I was expecting to. I think that it does a really good job of being very silly and very, and like also having some of the good, meaty, serious stuff that I 
like in the series. Yeah, and it's like the balance the series strikes. Of the like weird rule breaky stuff that <laughs> Animorphs books do. I'm generally more in favor of the stuff in this book and like <laughs> in a way that, you know, um, yeah. I'd be more excited about revisiting this well than say revisiting book 35. Which is a similar yeah, premise in well, some 35, ways. Yeah, yeah. there was just um, no justification. Whereas this felt more like a follow-up to 34. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah, they yeah. do the weird yeah. whale And even in 36, you have, like, Cassie coaching and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it sort of came out of actual morphing stuff yeah. that had been in the series, as opposed to 35, which was just, I don't know, he does weird stuff. Yeah. But we'll, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. I so, think, yeah, it's like, it's fun, hard sci-fi, and it's fun, soft, vulnerable feelings. Yes. And I liked that they finally crossed a line, which maybe they had crossed before. We should talk about it. Yeah. So, Jenny, would you like to fill in our listeners? I would love to. So, a lot happened in this book. This might be a 60 seconds that just feels a little longer than most 60 seconds. (laughs) Ooh, all right. Strapping in. (laughs) All right. So, the book starts. All the Animorphs are hanging out in a gas station. They're going to do this mission to investigate this warehouse that the Yurks seem to have. They're planning to go in, and then two people show up looking like Marco and Rachel. They're like, that's super weird. Uh, But it turns out it's not people who look like Marco and Rachel. They're holograms, and they are escort visiting from the escort homeworld. They are escort tourists led by Guide, who has now advanced in the um, trader guild or whatever his guild is called, and now he is called Mogul. (laughs) And he has brought this group of uh, 56 other escort to Earth because the Animorphs' memories are a huge hit. And these are all the, like, fans of the Animorphs' memories. So uh, the Animorphs are like, this is not cool. You know everything about us and you look like us. There are, like, multiple people who are identical in this gas station right now. Like, you need to not look like us and you need to get out of here. <laughs> so they're leading them out of there. But this warehouse that they're planning to investigate, they know it's a big deal because, like, Visor 3 keeps showing up. Visor 3 shows up in his limo. <laughs> and they're like, the Animorphs are like, okay, this is cool. We can just get the escort out of here. They have no reason to suspect this group of people walking down the street. But then one of the escort, who is a racial fangirl, or fan guy, unclear of the gender of the escort involved, hears that Visor 3 is there and is like, oh, Visor 3, I must attack him, runs into the street morphs, you can't see my air quotes, but they're there, like changes the hologram to be a bear and stands in the middle of the street, like waving <laughs> her paws at the at, at the visor. Jake sends the escort out of there with uh, Axe and Cassie and uh, he and Marco and Rachel morph and run out and try to uh, try to grab this escort. But then the visor also morphs and, you know, the escort isn't cooperating. And uh, Rachel ends up getting stepped on, even though she's an elephant. And uh, Tobias has to carry her out of there. And she's real mad about it. And they end up rescuing the Rachel escort. But the, another escort had run into the fight and he gets captured by the Yerks. So the Animorphs, they're all back in Cassie's barn, and they're like, this is terrible. There is someone in your captivity who isn't one of us, but knows everything about us, has all of our memories. And Mogul, the escort tour group leader, is like, no, 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 this is fine. His name is Actor. He's a, this is like he's in the theatrical guild. Like he's a pro. He's definitely not gonna give up anything about you guys. And they're like, well, uh, well he'll, the Yurks will just put a Yurk in his head, and then it'll all be over. 
Muggles like, no, you can't infest an escort. And the Animorphs realize, like, right, because what we learned on the escort homeworld is that the escort are in two parts. There's the isk, which is, like, the outer body, and the yurt, which is the, like, yurk-like slug that, like, goes into their heads. And you can't put another yurk in there. And if you take the yurt out somehow, like, there's not really any brain left in the isk. Like, there's just a brain stem. So you can't infest an escort. And the Animorphs are like, well, they're going to torture him. And Mogul's like, he would never crack under torture. Except maybe after midnight tonight when he starts to feel the effects of Candrona ray deprivation. <laughs> so the Animorphs are like, great, we're going to die and all our families are going to die. So they decide they have to go in and get this guy out. But they don't know where he's being held. They're like, probably the Yurk Pool. But wait, we just successfully invaded the Yurk Pool they might have him somewhere else. We could try, like, hope that he's in the year pool, but if we're wrong, we don't have that much time, we can't afford to be wrong, we could, you know, die invading the year pool, and that would also be bad. So they ask around, they ask Eric, they ask, like, Mr. Tidwell and the Yurk Peace Movement, like, does anyone know where this guy's being held? No one knows. So they come up with a new plan. <laughs> it's a risky plan. Axe proposes... They contact the Yerks, like have the escort, pretend to be the escort, contact the Yerks, try to arrange a hostage negotiation. Axe is like, yeah, this probably won't work, but if they capture more escort, at least we'll be able to follow them and know where they're taking them. The Animorphs are like, yeah, well, you know, we sure, let's give it a shot. So they don't trust the escort to be able to handle this hostage negotiation, so they have to morph the escort. The problem is they can't morph the escort because the escort are two beings, so they have to go in pairs. One of them has to morph an isk, and one of them has to morph a yurt. Uh, they think maybe they can just morph the isk, but isk cannot move on their own. <laughs> so, so Rachel absolutely hates the idea of like having someone else control her body. So naturally, she volunteers because that's Rachel. Rachel and Tobias go in as a pair, and Jake and Axe go in as a pair, and Marco and Cassie are like, uh, you know, they're they're like hiding in the woods to follow, you know, if they, if they get captured. Uh, it turns out Rachel really, really hates being an isk. Not only can isk not move on their own, they also don't have any senses unless they have a yurt in their head because the yurt has all like the sensory cortexes and all that. So Tobias is in her head directing her body. And it turns out it's not just like Axe was like, there might be a little mental bleed. It turns out they can like read each other's minds and it's real embarrassing and it's intense. It's a lot. But the two escort made up of four Animorphs go into this, like, meadow to negotiate with the Yerks. And uh, Fister 3 is, like, being all friendly, and Axe is pretending to be an escort. It's like, we brought you some the memories of all of the Andalites who are hiding on Earth. And Fister 3 is like, give me. And Marco in the woods plays, like, they, they brought, like, a memory projector, and they put, like, very carefully put only two memories on it. And... Axe has Marco play a memory of, like, through an Andalite's eyes of, like, galloping through the woods. So all you can really see are the woods. But Vista 3 is like, this is amazing! Give them all to me! And the Animorphs are like, okay, maybe we'll be able to, like, get him to bring Actor somewhere, and we'll be able to steal Actor, at least, and run away. But then, this woman, who seems to be, like, the woman in charge of this warehouse, they keep seeing her at this warehouse, is there with him. Her name is Soraya, and she's like, don't trust them. Ask for more memories. The Animorphs are like, someone's talking back to Vista 3. What is this? The visitor's like, Haha, I'm sure she's she's exaggerating the danger. But if you have more memories, that would be great. And Axe is like, we didn't bring any more. And Soraya's like, they're Andalite bandits. Shoot them. And the visitor does. <laughs> Marco projects the other memory they brought, which was a battle at the Yurk Pool. And it like kind of fills the air so that the Animorphs can't be seen in their escort morphs. And Jake tells them, like, everyone demorph and go, you know, bird of prey, we're getting out here. 
And Rachel doesn't want to leave because she had to run away from Visser 3 already once today. And she's like, I could just morph Grizzly and attack the Visser. And Tobias in her head sees this thought and is like, no, 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 do not do that. That is stupid. I'm not leaving until I'm sure you're not going to do that. And because of that delay, Rachel gets shot and is dying. And Tobias helps her demorph. And they didn't know what would happen if an anamorph morphed into an isk demorphed with the yort still on their head. And so what happens is that Tobias is still in Rachel's head, but his physical body is like gone. He doesn't think he's still physically in her head. And so she's like, well, you have to try to demorph. And so she morphs to Grizzly because now that like she was shot, the Animorphs are fighting. And he demorphs to Hawk at the same time. And she ends up a grizzly bear with wings. And they're like, what the crap is going on? And uh, Rachel lets Jake know that she's okay and she's not dying. And he's like, great, we're getting out of here. Get out of here. And there's a moment where Rachel thinks about going and trying to get this or three or maybe this woman. And Tobias like turns her towards the woods and she's like, hey. And he's like, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to. I won't do that again. You know. But Rachel's like, okay, we got to leave. So they leave and she manages to get Tobias out of her head by remorphing Isk, and he remorphs Yurt, and he's able to get out of her ear. Thank goodness, they're okay. It was scary, but they got through it. But they still don't have actor. Cassie and Axe, I think, followed the bugfighter or blade shark or whatever Vista 3 was flying back to the warehouse. So they think that actor is being held there. They all go and check out the warehouse, and it seems really secure. There's a force field over it. There's like a biofilter over the force field. There's like an entrance where like only registered people can get through. And they're like, this seems real tough. We need more information. They get Eric to get them the plans of the building. And it's very secure. And they can't figure out how to get in. The only way they can figure out how to do it is through a combination of animals because Rachel and Tobias had this experience and they're like, maybe we can duplicate this on a larger scale. So what they do is... They do the nesting doll thing. They do. <laughs> I think Marco morphs Isk and Cassie morphs Yort and goes into his head and then he demorphs and then he morphs Yort and Axe morphs Isk and then Marco goes into his ear. Then after that's Jake and Tobias and Rachel. And then Rachel morphs Cheetah, waits for the door to open of this warehouse. There's like an airlock at the entrance. Rachel runs in as a cheetah, has to go fast enough to get through the Gleep biofilter and under the outer airlock wall before it goes down. She's trapped in there. The room immediately begins filling with, like, poison gas, sort of this diffuse acid. And as she was running in, Jake, coached by Cassie, started morphing her head to Rhino so she could, like, ram the wall, the far wall, at a specific point, which is where they need to get through, like, connect some wires to get the airlock, the inside door of the airlock to open. So they're in here. There's this poisonous stuff happening. Cassie morphs her skin to the skin of a wood frog, I think, so that it's like protective slime. Tobias morphs her like insides to that of a dolphin so that she can survive without taking a breath for longer. And then Axe morphs an andalite tail and hands. He has a lot of trouble with it, but pulls through. And then they use the tail to slice open the wall. Axe connects the right wires. They morph to rhino. It's hard to know whether to use singular or plural pronouns. <laughs> the wall goes up. They like charge the controllers waiting there, like get through and go to like the cells. And they find the cell with actor in it. And actor is dead. His throat has been slit. Then all of a sudden, like really thick steel walls going down around the cell. And uh, Rachel realizes that Soraya is in the cell with her holding a dragon beam and Soraya knows everything about them because apparently actor had a, an escort personal memory emitter on him 
and there was a psychic lock on it, and she killed him to break the psychic lock, and now she knows everything about them. And they're like, oh no, here is this powerful Yerk lady who knows everything about us. And she's like, don't worry, I won't tell anyone if you give me the morphing cube. Because it turns out that she is not a controller. She is a human who is allied with the Yerks and wants to become a Yerk because she's super evil and wants to control people instead of being controlled herself. And she has managed to stay uninfested this far because she has made herself really valuable to Visser 3 by being better at plans than any of the Yerks are. Though still not great because the Anwars got into her warehouse. But she kind of wanted that to happen because she wanted to bargain with them for this morphing cube. So she is like trying to get Rachel to agree to give her the morphing cube and is like pushing Rachel's buttons. And Rachel gets really mad and tries to charge and kill her. And the other Animorphs in her head stop her, except for Tobias, because he's great and he promised not to. The other Animorphs are like, we can't kill her. She has, she stored copies of our memories on your computer, she said so. And then Axe is like, wait, maybe she didn't, because that's a lot of data. And Marco's like, she was really busy today. Maybe she didn't have time, you know. And so they're like, maybe that's a lie. And maybe we do have to kill her. And then they have a vote inside Rachel's head while Rachel is a rhino staring down this woman. And they they talk Cassie around, basically, to the idea that, like, yeah, we have to kill her. She deserves it. She's a murderer. She's siding with the Yerks. And so Rachel charges her and kills her and uh, feels really crappy about it. Then they demorph, they de-nesting doll, get out of the clown car and <laughs> find, the, find the button to raise the walls. But first they all go into battle morphs and they fight their way out and destroy the memory emitter and... The day is saved, and they, oh, I forgot to say that they made a deal with the escort, with Mogul, to give them the rest of their memories since Book 26, basically, if he takes his tour group and goes away and never comes back. And apparently, the idea of more memories in this saga is just so appealing that he agrees to this. So the escort are leaving, and the Animorphs have a movie night, and they've survived another day. Yay. The end. Yeah. That's all the stuff that happens. (laughs) That's probably not even all the stuff that happens. Many of the things that happen. Where should we start? Um, I don't even know. I just talked for like 20 minutes or 60 seconds. Here's my my thought that just occurred to me. It's interesting. So like the rule that they break in this book is the, I mean, so many things, but (laughs) the like the way the escort work lets them do this basically what was happening in 35 but controlling it and, I, and you were saying you said mm. something earlier that like it's kind of like cassie's miracle morph in 34 where it's like yeah. the whale that can can hold on to the wings and i was like it's actually kind of a neat recon because at that time cassie also had a second morph capable person <gasps> in her head so it's kind of like building on that premise we don't know how the, the technology works but yeah. like it's kind of a well, it seemed like Cassie was able to do the whale with wings because she was able to just focus in like this very intent way where she like right. so if you convinced have yourself to do more right. focusing. So if yeah, you're yeah, able yeah. to like it's sort of the um it's the Pacific Rim principle where like you need multiple minds in order to do like this subtle body thing. Yeah. yeah, although it's actually a little bit the opposite of that. Is it? In, I think. I haven't actually seen Pacific Rim, full oh. disclosure. So. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not for that reason. <laughs> um, no, because having all of those minds inside of Rachel's mind actually makes it more difficult for each of them to morph the bits of them that they need to morph. And the only reason they're able to do it is because of Cassie. Mm. This is a great Mm. Cassie book. Yeah. Because the whole end bit, 
she's in their heads being incredibly calm and very confident and very encouraging to each of them as they're doing what they need to do. And she's totally got this. And part of it is she's very good at morphing. And part of it is I think Cassie is very good in these situations where her strength is taking care of other people and where she needs to step up for other people to feel safe and confident. She's Mm -hmm. right there. Not necessarily when she needs to be confident on her own behalf, but for other people, she can absolutely do that. And so having all of those minds together makes it more difficult for each of them. But thankfully Cassie's at the center and like holding all of them together. I really love the thing where Rachel sees Cassie's confidence that acts can do this really difficult morphing thing. And it's like, I always think of myself as the confident one, but Cassie has this totally different kind of faith in people. And we saw it in 21 where she helps Marco do more from mm-hmm. Flea. And like the fact that she believes in it, like that's what enables it to happen. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about the like premise of them all being, you know, reading each other's minds is the way that there's so much embarrassing, like posturing and awkwardness and uncertainty. Right. And so then you get that moment of from Cassie of like pure and utter faith in her friend's abilities. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that is Cassie's superpower. Right. And so yeah. it's so cool to have other people be able to feel that. So like, I think I was, when I first read this, I was annoyed at the rule breakingness. I was like, no, this doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but I've come around for the, I really like all the emotional stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we can talk about the logistics part of it and how it fits into morphing <laughs> and also the, what's it, what's it's like getting all yeah. the characters to bump into each other. Cause they've been through so much at this point. It's kind of amazing to get like, it's terrible for them to be in each other's heads like this, but it's also kind of great. It's like, I could imagine groups of people where it would really tear them apart and that's not their experience Mm -hmm. of it because they do, like there are difficult things that come up in this sort of mind melt that they're sharing, but it mostly ends with them being able to unite and like support each other in this decision. Yeah, they're incredibly impressive. I mean, when they start talking about this, a lot of my notes are like, this is a nightmare. This is such a terrible idea. <laughs> Definitely don't do this. Why would you do? No, don't do it. Don't do it. And I was so concerned for them, like for Rachel and Tobias's relationship. How is mm-hmm, this going to affect mm-hmm. them? All of this. And they are incredibly mature in this way that what she says at the end is it actually felt like kind of a loss when they mm-hmm. de dolled because they made this decision together and it was in a spirit of such support and like trust and love for one another that most groups would you'd never be able to do this. Yeah. And that it it wasn't a, a completely traumatic experience says so much about this group of children I and how them. good they are together. Especially Tobias is the best one. Tobias is the best one. I love him so much. Can we talk about Tobias and us? Okay. <laughs> Just my arm. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many good Rachel Tobias moments. There's the thing where when they first morph the escort, Tobias sees like Rachel's how much she hates being this powerless. And he's like, why did you do this? Like, I would have done this. Like, I, I guess he maybe wouldn't have hated it quite as much as she would. And I mean, she doesn't really answer, but like, he can see that she feels this need to do the things that scare her the most and to take the burden off other people. And Mm -hmm. he's like, and you get to see like all these different layers of his reaction. I, just, I should find well, it. I, I kind of want to read that whole that whole bit. This is right after they first do the escort thing, Rachel and Tobias. They say like, 
okay, it wasn't just a little bit of mental bleed, it was total. We were in each other's minds. And then there's this whole thing where they're both like, oh, eh, eh, no, like, awkward, sorry, I don't want you to see, right? Um, and, you know, she's kind of like, uh, he says he's sorry, and she's like, you don't have to apologize, and then they both are, like, very aware of what they're feeling. Um, but then, you know, uh, she says, I couldn't read all his memories or anything. But what he was thinking, what he was feeling, it all flowed through my mind, present and obvious, like a brightly colored current in a river, pale blue and warm brown with darker glints in the depths. He surprised me by laughing. Yours feels bright to me, too, he said, like, and I had an image of what he was thinking. My mind is flashing gold fire, blazing high. And then the other half of his thought, the one he didn't want me to see, the shadow parts behind the flames where the light didn't match, the darker part of who I was. Sorry, he said, and I felt that it was true, felt the pain of it dark currents under the surface of his mind and you know there's like there's so much more of this like the, the animal seeing each other bit but that first description of like all the beautiful colors that they see in each other's seeing each other's minds is like it gets me every time they really like each other and like i love that it's like another twist on this whole thing because it's like with yurks you have the like invasive going into your memories thing mm-hmm. and like the Le- this is a little more like the lyrics where it's like yeah. you don't get each other's memories but you there there are no walls there's none of that mm-hmm. Aldrea wall that Cassie had even right it's mm-hmm. like the total mind melt thing and that's just it's very very beautiful I have a lot of feelings about it I have me feeling what do, what do you feel about it right? you go first well just I, I loved that scene that whole scene is wonderful but also later when they demorph. I want to find the actual line because it's (laughs) good. The one I was thinking of, there's a lot of great lines in here and a lot of great racial device moments, but there's this whole thing happening where she has to morph a whole bunch trying to help Tobias get out of her head because he's gone into Y space, which we'll get to. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I didn't mention Y space in my summary. (laughs) It's very bad and I hate everything about it. Yeah, my note is entirely like, I wish I could see Gray's face. (laughs) I didn't throw my phone across the room, but it was a very close thing. Okay, so she has morphed back and Tobias convinces her not to attack this or three. And she feels the lust for battle fade solely out of me and says, I was glad it was Tobias in my head. If someone had to see me like this, I was glad it was him. And then they demorph and he crawls out of her ear. And she says, uh, my hands weren't fully formed, but I reached out to touch Tobias. Hawks don't like to be touched, but I had to. I needed to feel that he was real. I needed to compensate for the sudden emptiness in my mind. I pressed my forehead to his. I, I said, and then couldn't figure out how to say the rest of it. I've never been good at asking for things I want, not like this. But maybe because Tobias had just been in my head, or maybe because he knew me pretty well by that point, I didn't have to ask. He morphed to human, and we put our arms around each other. We sat there on the forest floor for a long time, not saying anything, just holding on. No. Oh, and we've been saying that like why doesn't he just morph to human sometimes so they can hold hands or whatever yeah. and he did he did i love them it's so good also i was pleasantly surprised by how they handled the consent issues especially mm. like in the heat mm-hmm. of battle where tobias like accidentally turns her head and then rachel's like what did you just do and tobias <laughs> is like um, I don't, I mean, sorry, it's, it's really hard not to just want to turn your head sometimes. And then, and then, like, again, at the end, he's like, no, you know, whatever, hands off, like, it's your body, your rules, which is, you know, there's some, like, 
I think this is unexplored consent territory, <laughs> but yes. it was refreshingly well handled. It was. And it, it says so much about their relationship that she can have the thought, like, I'm glad it was him seeing mm-hmm. me. I can see, like, there would be a lot of romantic relationships, or, like, especially when you're, like, 14 or whatever and dating uh, someone where you're like, no, no, they were the last person I'd want to see in my mind. And this one, it's like, no, that's, if anyone's going to see it, like, she trusts his, like, regard for her. Mm-hmm. And, like, he tr- she trusts that he cares for her to an extent where he, she's like, yeah, he can see my darkest secrets mm-hmm. and it'll be okay. And then, and then is able to extend that trust to everyone else at the end when they're all yeah. <laughs> nesting doll inside her brain. Except Marco. <laughs> That's like the one complaint I want to lodge about the whole emotional thing is like so much potential for people to understand what makes Marco tick. And he absolutely refuses to engage. Okay, but I love that. I mean, that's yeah, no, so what very, he would it's do. It's very Marco and it's good that it's not. Like, <laughs> yeah. if Marco comes out of this experience being like, Rachel, you know, we give each other a hard time, but I just want to say that I love you and we're best friends. It would, it would ruin <laughs> yeah. the dynamic, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know. And there were moments where she's like, I could tell that he, like, what he was trying to say to us didn't match how he felt. I also, mm-hmm. I have, did you pick up on any um, Marco Jake uh, lines in this book? Because there was one moment that leapt out to me that I loved. Wait, which there? is when they're trying to figure out who's going to do the, like, escort thing to begin with. And Jake's like, okay, I'm going to be an esk. And then Axe volunteers. And, like, Marco's like, whew. Because yeah. I, I was like, this means Marco was worried about Jake finding about his crush. Okay, yes. Aww. My entire headcanon. So the thing where Marco, where they've just, like, nesting dolled. And Marco is singing the Gilligan's Island theme song in his head. <laughs> my entire headcanon for why he's doing that is because he doesn't want anyone to pick up on his feelings for Jake. Okay. It's real. Yeah. It's, it would be tough to let people see yeah, that. Yeah. Jenny, I buy it. I buy it. What, what joke does he make? I because forget which one. My, because my note here was, I bet Jenny loved this joke. <laughs> oh, the one about singing in harmony? Um, no, although that one is also very good. So there... Oh, oh, this joke, yes! <laughs> it, all of their minds are together, and she she's going over what each of them is doing, right? So Jake is running mission parameters, Axe is nervous about being able to pull off his role, Cassie's worrying about the things that might go wrong with us reading each other's thoughts, Reasonable. Tobias was a familiar anchor point, the one presence that wasn't new to me, and Marco, are you humming the Gilligan's Island theme song, I demanded? What can I say? It's an earworm, Marco yes. said. Get it? Earworm? I was like, it's so good. I bet she loved it. <laughs> yeah. I did. Truly, I can't believe I didn't think of it as soon as you said that because I love that joke. Yeah. yeah. It took them till book 37 to make an earworm <laughs> joke. But it finally did. No, I mean, I think you're right that there is a lot of potential for more emotional depth from Marco, but I have to say that this read very much like the Marco that we'd seen mm-hmm, for 36 mm-hmm. books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, it would have been, it would have yeah. been too much. The characterization was spot on and very funny, and I do think he uses humor here to break the tension and to bring people yeah. together, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. when he does that, I love his sense of humor. It's only when he's being, like, mean, snotty, or misogynistic, where I'm like, please, right, right, wasn't right. doing that and here. He, no, he it was, was so much better than him in 36. Exactly. Oh, yeah, so yeah, true. when they were all, yeah, inside each other's minds. Yeah. I mean, it's, He could have made fun of how Jake was trying not to think about Cassie. Sure. There's sure. a lot of things that might have interrupted said, his mental singing. But instead, he... <laughs> no, but, but he couldn't because he mm. had to stay firmly focused on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. He, he knew that if Jake found out, 
yeah. in this way. Because it's yeah. not that he doesn't want Jake Oof. to find out, it's that he wants it to, to be at a moment where he can control it. What a great point. I don't know. Do the messaging. I think like he also sort of gesture. doesn't want Jake to find out. Well, because he's afraid that Jake doesn't want him, which I think yeah. is accurate, and he understands that. Jake will come around. I, I also think he'll come around, but he's not ready. Um, it's not time. I sort of feel like the premise is, it's a little bit of a light retcon of 26, because you get the, oh, they won't meet the Yorks for 300 years, mm-hmm. as, and that's like fairly prophetic as far as Elemist stuff goes. And then you, Tobias calls back to that at the end, being like, Maybe we're the reason the Yorks don't figure out about the whole symbiote thing. But I kind of like it because I sort of feel like they had a bunch of ideas that were like, okay, so what if the Animorphs like infested each other? What would mm. that be like? But the Animorphs would obviously not do that. And when it happens to Axe in oh, um, yeah. sickness, it's like really, really terrible. And so the, all this escort shenanigan stuff is like actually a great way to get that cool mm-hmm. Cassie mm-hmm. moment. And like mm-hmm. they have the bit where they feel what it's like to sense time the way Axe yes. does. And even just like, yeah, there's so many good things. All the romance and then Jake's sort of posturing about how tigers are better than cheetahs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then like, I feel like it deals with Rachel's issues in a really interesting way. It's like, I, I like it. So I'm glad that they found a way, even if it's a like that kind of it really lets them dig into like agency in a new way. Mm-hmm. Like we, it's always a little bit bit of presence in the books with the fact that the Yerks take away all of your agency, and you know Jake in book six can't even point his eyes, etc. And like here, it's the Isk are completely helpless without the Yurt, which Tobias kind of calls them out on. He's like, "Oh, you made yourself a host body that can't run away," but it does. It seems reasonable to you know make yourself a body that needs a brain, and like Rachel's horror like in the first battle in this book she gets like stepped on and can't move and tobias has to carry her out of there and that's not a position she's in a lot of the time like she's usually mm-hmm. the most powerful morph out there and doesn't also while we're talking about that why doesn't Mister three always morph the elephant stopping <laughs> morph? well he only morphs each morph <laughs> once he gets like a morph coupon and then he has to spend mm-hmm. it for each morph that's definitely how it works or Mister three is so dumb <laughs> <laughs> well, he needs Soraya there to tell him to be the elephant stomping more. Right. Are we going to talk about Soraya or are we still talking I about I want to talk about more. Rachel's agency more. Yeah, keep going. So she doesn't get to finish the fight and gets like carried out of there and then can't can't go back and, and fight. And that's really hard for her. And then, then she literally cannot move. And she has this moment where Cassie's like, okay, I'm going to put Tobias in your form in your ear. And Rachel's like, I didn't want to be looking forward to this. Like, I didn't want someone else controlling my body. But also, I couldn't control my body right now. And I wanted my senses back. And it's just such a tough position to put her in. And then... Especially for Rachel. It's kind of like the... um, Going back to the digging as a mole claustrophobia stuff from 17. Right. Yeah, and Rachel's just such a type A person Mm -hmm. that taking away that control... It has to be an absolute nightmare for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is for me in a lot of ways. I, as I said at the beginning of this whole, like, oh, I'm going to become the isk, and you're going to go in my brain. And I was like, mm, no, absolutely not. This is a terrible idea. And I, you know, I still think that this works. It only works for these this team. All of our listeners. Don't won't make you more pissed. If you get the chance, don't do it. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> don't try this at home, kids. Don't try this at home, kids. It's like the... Um, but, I mean, we were talking about your therapist. Are you down on that uh, idea now, too? Now I'm also down on that idea. 
Tell me more. Yeah. I want to hear. Too horrifying. Why did, why did you sour on the York therapy idea? Because I might have to cancel some <laughs> trademarks and website domains. Birthday presents. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I was thinking about this actually in, in context of, you know, when you're a kid and one of the things you argue about is what superhero power you would have. Mm, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so like mind reading. Flight. Mind reading, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jenny's always had flight. Oh, yeah. Because Jenny is a wonderfully consistent human being. I always wanted psychokinesis because oh. I always wanted to be able to sit on one side of the room and get my book from the other side of the room without <laughs> having to get up. Even if that's the only psychokinesis you can do. That totally totally worth right. it, right? Amazing. Wait, yeah. Ted, what's yours? I don't have strong feelings about okay. this. Yeah. It's hard for me to argue with flight, but I, it's not like I it's not like I ranked them and then I've been okay. holding on to it the same right. way that you have it. And also it's like going out to dinner sometimes you don't want to order what someone else ordered. So <laughs> I kind of feel like I have to... We could fly together. Yeah, okay, when you put it that way, it sounds great. <laughs> but I, I wanted right, to be... Count. Thank we'll, you. We'll, 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 we'll carry, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll carry, carry me. a book with us, and then you'll just kind of like... That's how I fly. yourself afterwards. <laughs> That's totally how that works. But I always wanted to be Jean Grey, right? Mm, she she mm-hmm. was my favorite X-Men when I was growing up. Interesting. I know, shocking. Um, they didn't even have anything to do with the name. I just loved oh, her. Okay, okay. And then, uh, and then I got older and was like... Oh no, mind reading is the worst one of uh-huh. those. Like, abs- I don't want that at all. I don't want to have mind reading. I don't want anyone around me to have mind reading. I find that invasive as a concept and completely horrifying as in practice. And so I think that this kind of pushes a lot of those same buttons mm-hmm. of like, I do not want anybody in my brain, even as a therapist. Nope. You, you get what I tell you. Yep. Yeah. And if it's not entirely truthful, too bad. You're right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's kind of Marco's stance, I feel like. Yes. He's like, nope, not doing this. No, 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 no. No. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm more on board with it. I just feel like it breaks one of the, like, main fundamental existential rules of being a human, right? Which is that <laughs> people are completely unknowable. And so, like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I've always been into that, you know, that sort of, like, what is it like to be another person thought experiment yeah. kind of part of philosophy. So, like, they do it in this very specific circumstance here, and they're, like, a super team, and they're all BFFs, whatever. They're all perfect. <laughs> little, little darling angels, right? Only Tobias like, is perfect. More, more so in the, like, the 34-type situation, where it's, like, the horror show of suddenly oh, sharing yeah. your brain with a different person and yeah. how invasive. And, like, they have the ability to kind of keep things from each other, but it's not as bad. Right. But, like, I do sort of think in a world where this was possible, the novelty of the experience as, like, finally breaking down that wall. I mean, maybe it would be terrible to go back to being alone, right? Like, yeah. who knows? But yeah, it's, it's I'm, a I'm, good more, I'm more open to it, but maybe I shouldn't be. No, I think it's it's reasonable. Uh, just I suspect that this is one of those like personality test type things. Yeah, like, that's know, interesting. Do you want to know, for example, your partner so well that you mm-hmm. would let them morph the your part of this escort, or do you not want that? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. The fact that they're girlfriend and bird friend are <laughs> at this point that is that is worse that would not be if you're right. going to do a total mind melt don't do it with the person that you're into so marco made a great choice here marco made i think marco made a good decision because there's a certain amount where but if it was like know. you and cassie right that'd be awesome sure <laughs> i would love to get cassie in my brain yeah i think it would have to be with someone that i would trust yeah and I think that there would be a certain amount of reciprocal seeing the things we're ashamed of that it would mm-hmm. like it would be okay. I know, but like the thing is, <laughs> now I'm kind of when you when I say it, it's like I agree with them. When you say it, I'm like, 
Yeah, but like, what if you were a lot worse than the other person? Right? That would be so <laughs> okay, embarrassing. so it has to be yeah, someone right? you trust, but also someone you trust to be like about the same level of goodness a person but as you, you are. Get it wrong. It would be so <laughs> bad. You could both get it wrong, and which direction would be worse? I don't. I okay, don't, now this sounds horrifying. Right? Is it, is it like they'd be like, "You want to kick dogs?" And you'd be like, "Oh God, I can't go back from that." Should we talk about then the moral discussion at the end? Wait, they, I, you were mentioning the like being the isk thing. Like, it's super bone chilling. I love that description. But one of the things that I really like about it is the total sensory deprivation thing. Mm. I mean, you're really curious about the mind-body separation that happens with morphing, mm. right? So mm-hmm. um, she morphs, and then she's like, oh, man, no movement, no sight, no hearing. I couldn't even feel the ground under my feet, the air on my skin. Nothing. Uh, what if I couldn't see or hear anything even with devices in my head? What if I was just a body with no control and no senses? It's weird being nervous without a body. I was scared, but I couldn't feel the adrenaline rush like I usually would. I couldn't even feel my own heart beating. I was utterly absent. I couldn't tell what device was in my ear. couldn't feel the slimy word body slip in between the delicate bones. My first indication that he was there is a faint image of light. My vision started to return, blurry but clarifying. Then the sound of the wheezing dive. <laughs> Weird and too high. But there again, the feeling of my own skin. I just really like that, the sort of embodied nature of intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. And how, like, morphing kind of breaks that, right? Like, she's able to, like, intellectually be nervous even though she can physically not experience any of that hormonal yeah, stuff. It's yeah. a really interesting thing. Sort to think of an about. unaddressed issue in this series of like, you know, the the animal's mind affects your like mood or temperament or like whatever, but the way the animal experiences emotion is not necessarily the way you do. Like they still have their human emotions too, even though emotions they don't are have so their bodies. Or where, where they do have their bodies in yeah, space. Like, yeah, I don't know, but. because I was going to say, I wonder if actually the isk is getting their version of like adrenaline. Mm, mm-hmm. It's just that her so physical alien. senses aren't there. Right? She's yeah. the body, right? Is so still she can't there. tell that she's getting the adrenaline. She's just not processing <laughs> yeah. it in the same way she but would yeah, if I she thought... had senses. I, I really like that. That sort of dualism there, or the lack of dualism, maybe a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it was just, yeah, it was an interesting nod to a more realistic theory of intelligence yeah. than what usually happens. Although, I one thing I thought was really interesting was they make this very physical, neurological argument about mm-hmm. how the ISK and the yort work Yeah, that does not actually make any goddamn <laughs> sense. Because what they say is, is that the ISK have only, essentially what they say is, they have only enough of a brainstem to keep its body alive while the yort is not in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not that the yort has a brain that it, it, it puts into the ISK's head. It must have a brain with those abilities. It can't be just a brainstem. That's not how brains work. The the slug oh, so you were the imagining... slug goes into something. Well, the slug goes into like a cavity and then is the brain. I think is how it works. No, because well, they, they imagining... engineered themselves also. So I was imagining this is super gross, but I was imagining that the are just more kind of like lube for the isk brain, <laughs> right? So it's like the brain parts are there, but they can't talk to each other, oh, and then the yeah. comes in. And okay, it's like, it completes the circuit. That's less gross. Oh, I but like that. Also okay. less biological. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I agree. That makes that's sense. Kind of okay, but that's not how they describe it, right? They yeah. it, only enough. The isk has no brain of its own. Only enough of a brainstem to keep its body alive while the yort is not in it. To be fair, mobile is not part of the anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> a good point. An excellent point. And and I think that's fair. 
my point was just that what I would then expect is for the isk body to have kind of the lizard brain as we often describe mm-hmm. it in oh, humans, yeah. right? Yeah. Where you have, it's very much the like physical ability yeah. to exist in the world. Well, it's your brainstem, but it's like your initial reactions to things. Mm-hmm. And that the yurt coming in would give it that higher mental ability yeah. to speak. It might just be differently organized. Also, this is also the least problematic drink way to <laughs> do the symbiote thing, right? And like Jenny mentioned yeah. it earlier, right? So it's like, it's kind of like, having your cake and eating it too. It's like, oh, well, the isk, like, they're perfectly happy to be, compl- like, literally brainless, <laughs> yes. right? So it's like, you know, because yeah. if it was like, oh, you're like a little lizard, and so, like, the isk like to sun, and they get nervous, and they stick out there, you know, or they wheeze mm. a lot, and it's great. Yeah, and then they're sort and of then, control. And then they, yeah. they get control. That's like, how's that different from Yorks and Gets? Yeah, so, like, yeah. when you put it like that, you're no, right. A it's a little bit... No, no, no. I think what you're saying is, like, this is obviously the easy way out in terms of dealing with the issues. But, yeah, and it's yeah. all. And also, I, I thought, so that's sort of pretty close to the beginning of the book-ish when they're talking about that. And I kind of thought that they were going to play with that more um, when they morphed the Isk and the Yort. That, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the instinctual response of the Isk would be much more instinctive and much more kind of fight or flight. Oh, where, interesting. And then okay, once yeah. there were two of them and the Yort mm-hmm. Tobias was in the Isk Rachel that she would be able to calm down a little bit and kind of have more of a battle okay. plan. Yeah, it, didn't, yeah. you know? it didn't really it didn't go there. explore the yeah. symbiosis. No. Which I think is fine. Like there's a nod to it. it. Did enough stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. We yeah. didn't need it. But I just thought that was interesting. Drink. <laughs> and it also, I mean, I suspect that that was a thing. It's like, okay, why would they need to morph both parts? The is can't move on itself. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Did we want to talk about the decision at the end? I have a transitional thought. Right? Yes, excellent. Which is Tobias's reaction to that decision. Because he says to her, and what is possibly my favorite Tobias moment in the whole book, she's trying to make this decision and she thinks, Tobias hadn't stopped me. He wouldn't turn away from whatever I chose. Whatever you are, he said to me, in thought speak that would have been private if it could have been. I felt the force behind the words. Whatever you do. (laughs) He just accepts so fully whatever she does. All of the dark currents in her bright gold river. He (laughs) understands and accepts them. And even if they aren't necessarily the choices he would make, he is completely there for her no matter what she does. And I love Tobias so much. No, he's the best. So let's talk about what she does and what choice they have to make. Yeah, so she sort of tries to charge Soraya in a moment of anger, and they all stop her, except Tobias, because he's the best. Is she angry, or is she more just like, she can't get out of this alive? I don't remember. I don't know if it's really clear, because Soraya's talking about how they'll infest your friends, they'll infest your sisters, you'll have to, like, turn them in, or, like, watch them. It's basically like, if it were just Rachel and Soraya in the room, Rachel would have killed her on Oh, yeah. Right. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, everyone except Tobias is like, don't do that! And she's super mad and, like, sort of instinctively, like, I mean, lashing out, like, in her thoughts, shouldn't do anything. But she's like, how dare they stop me? Who are they to tell me? Like, they're better than me. And then Rachel feels that they all have felt the same thing. Like, this is the part, I think, of, like, being in someone else's brain that like, would be a good thing. I can imagine liking that part because, like, the things about yourself that you're ashamed of or that you think reflect bad parts of you, like, you see it, but like, oh, okay, everyone has these things. This is 
what it is to be human, or in their case, what it is to be fighting this war. And yeah, she sees that they all feel the same thing. And it lets her sort of get over that moment. Like, oh, okay, they all identify with this sort of mindless rage. Which is, it's such a good insight into Rachel, but also a good reminder of the parallels we've seen between all of them, right? She Mm -hmm. calls out that here's how Jake has experienced this rage. Here's how Axe has experienced it here. Even Cassie and, of course, Tobias. And Rachel is so focused on that in her own self of Mm -hmm. her rage being such an important part of kind of how she is experiencing this war. But seeing everybody else have similar thoughts gives mm-hmm. her a lot of comfort. I would just like to point out we're at book 37. Mm-hmm. If the we all think that Rachel is a mindless rage machine trope comes back in any book from here until 54, I'm going to throw an absolute fit. You can actually throw your phone I or whatever across the room. I will actually throw things. Like, I yeah. just, I'm flagging this in advance. Yeah. Everybody put a pin in this. Absolute fit. Noted. You have been in each other's brains. I yep. do not want to hear it anymore. Yeah. Well, it's such a good antidote to 32 for that reason, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, she had this whole complex about, like, am I just, like, irredeemably evil on the inside, right. and I am a, uni- a uniquely mm-hmm. bad person, mm-hmm. right? right? So it's so nice to get that validation, right? Even though it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, we get that moment earlier in this book where Marco is like, well, the reason we're in this situation is that, like, we got too much too much Rachel around because the escort who was pretending to be Rachel charged after visit three. And Rachel's like, I would not have done that. And Marco's like, yeah, you wouldn't have. And, and ooh, ooh, ooh. The other thing I love about that moment there, right? So like right when that's about to happen, Cassie steps in and it's like, let's calm down guys. And it's a really good example. <laughs> All our families of are about to be killed. Right, right, right. But no, but it's just such a good example of Cassie being like, nope, this one's going to get out of hand. Yeah. Like, I can see Rachel starting to wind up in like a bad way. Yeah, Those are like yeah. angry eyes, not like having fun teasing Marco eyes. Yep. I really like that. <laughs> and Cassie knows for Rachel's eyes because as at one point she does in the nesting doll situation, she morphs only Rachel's eyes in I, other animals. I yeah, I gotta say the ghostwriter did such a good job of like in context callbacks. It felt kind of like there were so many good little mo- like they name dropped Mister Tidwell, they name dropped yeah. Cassie has a Rachel morph. There are this tons person of read good... the series or oh yeah, part oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot. There are a lot of good moments that and because like it's still episodic mm-hmm. clearly and. Light spoilers, not a lot of this comes back. I do dread the return of Mogul as God Emperor. <laughs> but <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen. He has um, the funds to buy the reset button. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, it, it was a fun, I don't know. And, and I guess talking more about the decision at the end, it's like they do talk about some of their low points, like mm-hmm. the callback to 16 and Soraya throws David in her face, right? There's like a lot of like, yeah. they've had to make a lot of tough choices and the yeah. book is very aware of that. Cassie's stance is really interesting because she twice has been the one to immediately leap at a person doing a terrible thing in 16 and in 28 uh, with the scientist who was killing the homeless people. Mm-hmm. And in 16, of course, with Fisher Three's twin and then doesn't end up following through on it. But in this case, she is the one who doesn't want to cause death. And that's very much in accord with like, she wanted to come up with a solution that wouldn't involve killing David. And so she definitely has these sort of conflicting impulses. Soraya isn't hurting a bunch of innocent people actively at the moment. So I think her sort of protect the innocent trigger doesn't get engaged. Yeah, I'm going to put um, a big fat yet at the end of that sentence. <laughs> Soraya isn't injuring other people. Yeah, yet. yes, yes, that is... Uh, well, and I also like... So, like, eventually Cassie signs on to the group execution of Soraya, right? And, like, mm-hmm. 
it feels very earned for Cassie, and I forget exactly what she says, but it's sort of like, she basically, it's like her instinct is like, but it worked out with after and Karen. Yeah. And then Jake is like, sorry, honey, like, <laughs> not everybody's after him, right? Yeah. Clearly this woman is not after him. And then Cassie's like, yeah, we should probably kill her. Yeah. Well, I liked the bit about she didn't want to have to be a part of it, but she recognized, like, she was, like, honest enough to recognize the selfishness of that. And be like, okay, this does need to be done. Gotta get our hands dirty here. Yeah, it did seem... I said I wasn't going to pick on them for being selective about <laughs> who they feel bad yes, about killing. like, kill all the minions, don't kill the big bad situation. Yeah, and I, I felt that, again, here. I mean, the thing about Soraya that she is very much relying on is that she's a human, and they mm-hmm. don't kill humans in cold blood. Which is, like mostly true but not entirely true in that have they, they killed humans in cold she blood? says that they have well, no, no no okay jake burned down somebody's house it's unclear what happened <laughs> but, and and she's oh, right that they haven't like executed someone executed people yeah. but they have killed people in the heat of battle while defend whatever Certainly. yes and it's, it's like and the oh, the fact that it wasn't in, in cold blood is like maybe an arbitrary distinction especially yeah. when those people were not themselves actively engaging in the battle this is my thing is yeah. that i understand that distinction and one needs to put boundaries around their own you know sense of righteousness or anger mm-hmm. whatever it is and, and i get that and i have accepted that about this group of people <laughs> and therefore fine if this is where Cassie's line is that yeah. in battle is fine, in cold blood isn't. Yeah. That is her boundary and I respect but and apparently that. apparently not. For the most part, that is her boundary. Yeah. I, respect <laughs> and accept that. I just, she does point out that like, we have killed humans. We have killed Orc-Bajir. We have killed mm-hmm. these creatures whose only fault was their bad luck of being mm-hmm. selected as controllers. And I think that is important as a reminder that Soraya has chosen on her own volition to be an evil psychopath. (laughs) Who is a fantastic villain, but like not being controlled by a villainous, you're just kind of a jerk. bad. I want to talk more about Soraya, but I want to, I want to dig into like, I thought, I have a note in here that like, I feel like a gray must be proud of the Animorphs. Because <laughs> like, you were saying you don't want to pick on them, but it like, I feel like this is the, I guess you don't believe in the slippery slope, but to me, it's still like, this is the Animorphs being like, put into a box where it's yeah. like, okay. I mean, a box of steel. As bad as Soraya is, is she as bad as David? Probably not. Right. But like. In that situation, in that situation, sure, I was you know, consign him to yeah. a short, tormented life on, you know, Rat Island. But, Oof. but still, but still, like here, it's like they're now. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, like, maybe as the series continues, they will be more willing to cross this line, and yeah. that can be an interesting. Event. So, I, I, I was curious as yeah. to your reaction. I am proud of them, not least because I continue to say that this is a better ending than David's. Yeah. It's true. Continue to hold that line for me. Yeah. Stomped to death by a rhinoceros, much like Now she'll never be controlled. Yeah, but I also, like, the thing is, it's also interesting because Rachel, I think, would have, she she would have been hooked on the violence of smashing (laughs) David into a pulp because, let's be real, I think a lot of people would. Sure. But here, it's like, it's not good for her, right? She's like, this Doesn't enjoy it. Right? And she she probably would have felt fine if they hadn't stopped her. Right, but like being yeah. forced to yeah. do an execution instead mm-hmm. of a impulsive murder 
is like makes a difference. And it wasn't yeah. one of them who had to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I think they that's all really actually well. That makes it together. that makes it better. Yeah. It does, yeah. And I do think that it's they they call that out that it's the execution for Rachel. The distinction between execution and the murder that she would have done is that she actually doesn't have any rage. Mm-hmm. That yeah. this is a decision they have made. This death needs to happen, and we're just deserved. Do and, it. and that's the way more like that's the way it should be, right? right? Like you, it's fun to read war stories where like the villains are super villainous and you get to kill all the minions yeah. or whatever. But that's mm-hmm. really how it should be, right? And I think that was that was wonderful. I, I really actually appreciated it. That whole scene was great for a lot of reasons, but but one of them was the reactions that each of them has. Rachel says, if I'd been human, I might have wretched. It was a little too easy to see it like a rhino did. She was a threat, now she wasn't. But Rachel says, I felt their reactions. Tobias's bruised acknowledgement. Jake's mingled guilt and relief. Axe's worry that we had done the wrong thing. Marco's attempted detachment. And Cassie's horror, her pained cry at the loss of life. It was too much, and yet I needed it. I needed to know they felt it with me. So good. I mean, just a beautiful description of how each of these characters would react to this and a wonderful acknowledgement that they have this, these reactions, this horror and guilt and shame mm-hmm. and yet made this decision anyway. I just, I'm so, I am, I'm so proud yeah. of them. Just the war is putting them, them through so much. You know, babies, really, yeah. they're like 14 years old <laughs> yes. and they are dealing with this and making such good decisions like Almost two thirds of the time, I'm really. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's great. Babies. All right. So, do you want to say more about Soraya? I have a thing, but I want to hear. I want to hear your reactions first. I have so many. I I have great thoughts about Soraya. I think she's a a fantastic villain for so many reasons. She is yes a perfect example. (laughs) She's a perfect example of human villainy mm-hmm. that we see sometimes in other we've seen it a couple of times in animorphs but have referred to it often in reference to other sci-fi and fantasy where humans are really very good at being bad to one another mm-hmm. like uniquely right. good at it's that. like chapman but not as incompetent yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. in the context of the animorphs. yeah if yeah. chapman were good at his job this is what he would be like i mean just she is so competent and so clever and so much smarter than the Yerks are. She builds this crazy facility specifically to keep the Animorphs out and, and does it in such a way that actually they have to do this bonkers plan <laughs> Which, to as get as far through. as she knows, they can't do. Yeah, so, I mean, there's yeah. no way for her to know that they could do this because there's no way that they could have known it. Well, in the great, um, one of the things that I love is that She's not such a like overpowered villain that she figures out what they've done. Right, yeah. she's talking to Rachel the entire time. Right, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no like, and I deduce that you've somehow merged all six of your minds <laughs> right, into right. one. So like, come on out, Marco. Right, you know, like there's yeah. that would have been that would have been too much. Right, so oh, like yeah. she just yeah. you know, she misses the you know. There's no big reveal <laughs> or anything. No, there isn't. It's so good. And I had a note that said she had read the. She's obviously read the uh, supervillain list. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which I thought was very good. Oh, here we go. So she, in the battle in this, with Visser Kree, oh, right, yes. in the um, 
meadow or whatever, they're in escort morph. And her reaction is, they're Andalite bandits. Shoot him. Shoot him now. And Visser's 3 is doing his whole, like, blustery, come on to my no, spaceship. No, let us go or, through yeah. this plan. She's like, no, just just shoot them. Even if they're not the Andalite bandits, <laughs> it, there's enough of a possibility they might be that the best option right now is just yeah. shoot them and Don't try blood. to capture them. Every time you capture the Andalite bandits, they escape. Exactly. Just kill them. It's yeah. so smart. And, and Marco's like, yeah, but come on, just shoot them. Doesn't she know that's not how supervillains behave? <laughs> Dubai says, does seem like it goes against the professional code. And I was like, she actually read Peter's evil overlord list. Finally, we get a bad guy who's done that. I mean, she's so good. Yeah, that, their Andalite's moment gets me every time. <laughs> cold. So I really love it. And and she actually is just such a, a human in some ways, right? Yeah. She's a very evil, villainous human. But she recognizes their weaknesses that they don't kill defenseless humans and she banks on that she shouldn't obviously it was poorly (laughs) for her but it's actually a good plan Uh uh-huh but Um, like any one animal like i guess maybe right one in six chance she gets rachel and then dies but five and six chance it's it's like she's always she's like willing to play russian roulette right like if i get the one animal she knows how to manipulate all of them except maybe rachel she probably shouldn't have taunted rachel although i right right right. but yeah prepared to shoot her but right but like that's like a calculated risk right it's not a flawless plan but and she says i know that you don't kill people in cold blood not a poor innocent human like me (laughs) i mean just she's she's so good yeah well, it's just like, and then when you find out, it's like her plan. She's basically like, <laughs> yeah, I see the writing on the wall. The Yurks are going to win. So like, but I don't want to be a controller, obviously. No, I want to be a Yurk. want to be controlled? Right? Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like, <laughs> and you're kind of like, oh yeah, Sarai is like cool, you know, like really smart, like obviously bad. But then you're like, whoa, like I'm taking a big step back. <laughs> honestly, whatever, what a reasonable plan. Whatever you're doing. <laughs> right. Like rational, but super evil. Yeah. So evil and also it's a, it's such an evil plan, and I I spent the whole book being like, is this Visser too? She's so evil. She must be Visser too. <laughs> Do we finally have a competent Yerk? Oh no! And then she was like, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Unfortunately, I'm not a controller, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're not a controller. What is your plan? And then she very luckily for us tells us her plan. It was very nice of her. Yes, which is so great. I mean, she says straight out, uh, "You animals are so deluded. I guess that's what happened when children fight a war." Actually, great point. Well done, you. <laughs> you think you can keep Yerks from taking over humanity. You can't. The only way to win is to side with them. Which, hey, if that's your perspective, yeah. she ain't wrong is the thing about her. But then her plan is like, and my, my note there was, Jesus, this is a bleak view of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, I think the Council of Thirteen is never going to give a human a rank at all, let alone a high one. I don't want to be on the outside looking in, valued, but never part of things. I want to become a Yerk. <laughs> So her plan is get the Escafil device, get uh, figure out how to morph, morph a Yerk, and then be a Yerk and get eventually onto the capsule of 13. Yeah. One, that is a very long-term plan. <laughs> Way well, to go, She lady. has all of the memories of all the Animorphs, so. Well, yeah, she had the but, plan before that, I think. True, I, I think, think, yeah, I think you're that. right, yeah. But, like, you guys. I do not know what I'm having for, like, dinner tonight. <laughs> she has a distinct plan. This woman has is on top of her stuff. I also, I love the implication. It's like, this is my headcanon, at least. She talks about how, like, yeah, I kind of got washed to the Yerks because my brother was a controller, but he was the worst controller ever, and, like, he eventually confided in me, and then I was like, oh, so this is happening? All right, I want it. Right? Like, so I'm just I'm just imagining her, like, browbeating this Yerk in her brother's head, yes. and being like, come on, tell me where the Yerk, tell me about Kendrona race, you know. So, 
I love Soraya. I think that she is like the Animorphs' greatest foe of all time. <laughs> an, an excellent entry into the like one and done villains. And then like at some point in my notes, because it, it gets me, I'm just like when she's like she has all the memories and like she's like, but you're not going to kill me because you kill me. I'm like. Soraya, you're too smart to live. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is, pretty much. This is the problem with the Animorphs. That's why Visser 3 is still alive. Yeah, as they, much as I would yeah. love to see the Visser 2 infiltrates and takes down the Animorphs one by one, like horror show. Would you? On some level, <laughs> Soraya cannot possibly, cannot possibly make it out of the situation. Right? Like, yeah. I think we this should. This is why Mr. Have... Three. It's like we wanted the Yerks to get a consultant, but like, it would not go <laughs> no. well for the Animorphs. If they had a competent consultant, very bad. Absolutely. I do eventually want us to do a ranking of the villains. Ooh, yes. Including the big players. By competence or just by like how awesome we think they are? Ooh. Yeah, but like okay. uh, like Soraya versus Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Right? It, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. The, um, the other thing I wanted to say is like when she figures out all of their secrets, it's like the narrative can't support... Like, Visser 1 already fills this role of like unlikely ally. Yeah. So like Soraya is obviously expendable at that point. And it's like... Why can't there be two? Yeah, like Marco this, references that. Right, yeah. the Soraya, Edris, like, <laughs> head-to-head getting in on, like, that open council position would BFFs. have been glorious to see. No, they wouldn't be No, you're thing. right. Frenemies. They would be frenemies. They would be, yeah. frenemies. Yeah, be very, like, you're right, I'm sorry. Glinda Alphaba, like... <laughs> when they do the Yerk Chronicles. Ah, uh, yes. That's what I want. Excellent. I want the fighting for the position on the Council of 13 Amazing. and yeah. all of that. I did want to say, going back to, like, Soraya's very bleak view of humanity, I love the thing where Rachel's like, no, what you're fighting for isn't isn't even worth fighting for. Like, Rachel kind of presents this positive view of the world. And we get so much of Rachel in contrast to the rest of the group kind of being the harsh one. And it's great to see, like, oh, no, she actually has these ideals that she cares about. Like, she's not just a violence machine. Like, she's doing this for good reasons. Yeah. And, yeah, she is stark contrast to Soraya. It's not night and twilight anymore, Tobias. Well, and also, she, even when she loses it, right, it's because because Soraya is threatening her sisters. Mm, right? Yeah. It's not a, like, you're a bad person and I have to take you down for the good of humanity. But it's it not is, even you're threatening me. Right. And, yeah. It is the people she's protecting. Yeah. She's in this fight to protect her family and friends, and Soraya is directly threatening them. Mm-hmm. And that's when Rachel's like, I am a rhino and you are a human and I will win this fight. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, so good. We haven't, we've been dancing around this word, but the, the nesting doll situation. What is it, Greg? What is it? I, I well, mean, when they morph like five things at once. I don't once, want to disappoint What would you, you call it? But I think this is the closest that we're going to get. Probably the closest to a megamorph. that we're going to get to a megamorph. I did yeah. try to track, I was not able to do this, in part because I as you know, finished it as we were starting this podcast. But mm-hmm. I did try to track while they were in their nesting doll megamorph uh-huh. what bits they had at what time uh-huh. and what animal one might call that. Because oh. <laughs> like mythologically speaking. Because right, cheetah body, rhino head, frog skin, dolphin lungs, andalite yes. arms and tail. Yes. I think yes. that's the most Yes, what mega is that? The I think that's gets. Yeah. Um Again, I was I was trying to do this quickly. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a, a frog pinna at one point, which is the frog dolphin cheetah. Frog finna, I guess. Frog finna. Okay. Um, but also at one point she is a <laughs> she is a rhino with um, gorilla arms and back. And then which I thought <laughs> and was human like, eyes. And, hu- and then human eyes. And I was like, Does she actually get the arms? I think she does. Well, that's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. 
cheetah <laughs> covered in slime with That's like an like, alien. That's like, that's like Mercora levels of weird. It's yeah. not as horrifying as Rhino <laughs> right, with, with human, human eyes, eyes and gorilla like, Nope. I'm like, any of that. Nope, nope, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The alien versions I can I can kind of deal with, but the, <laughs> the human eyes showed up and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> But, like, was it the Megamorph you'd been dreaming of? You really wanted them to go full. <laughs> yeah, like, like Voltron, Power Rangers. It was pretty good, I gotta say. It was pretty okay. good, and right. they used Maybe they'll be, good like, morphs. an even weirder alien that's, like, in a score, but there are, like, six distinct parts, parts that, like, physically <laughs> lock together, and yeah, that would be everything that would, you wanted. That would be everything I wanted. This was pretty good, and they chose good morphs that we have never seen before, which mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. like when they get new morphs. This yeah. was one of the ones where they were like, yeah, we went to the gardens, we got some stuff, we're not going to tell you what it is, and then <laughs> surprise, Woodfrog. Um, I actually, so like, the funny thing is, I feel like the books have like strayed a little bit from their initial concept, which was like, <laughs> oh, have yeah. fun with animals and half fighting aliens, <laughs> to be like, yeah. 49% <laughs> weird sci-fi. 49% horrors of war <laughs> with child soldiers and 2% animal facts. <laughs> but I love the, the one paragraph of cheetah facts that we get. Yeah, I learned, like, I learned a lot about cheetahs. I learned a lot about cheetahs. Cheetah lungs too. getting super pumped by their uh, legs. This is, it's an amazing The large thing. nostrils. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm here... You know, let's expand that two percent back yeah. up to ten percent. I want more fun animal facts. <laughs> I do. You learn almost series. nothing about the wood frog. Yeah, <laughs> it has slime. Acid-proof slime. I'm not. I, I'm skeptical. Of <laughs> you are skeptical of this megamorph, Ted? What? Yeah, <laughs> I did really like the cheetah. The cheetah's body is built so its lungs expand every time its four legs stretch out and contract again when the back legs catch up. So air is forced in and out of the lungs without, without Rachel having to work at it. And then all of the energy can be focused on running. And I was like, if my body did that, I would enjoy running, <laughs> yeah. as I do not. <laughs> That's what's holding you back. That'd be great. So speaking of skepticism, so we did learn some <laughs> new stuff about Z-Space. Oh, my God. Can we talk about it? <laughs> Axe is such a It's really good. Axe trolled me twice in this book, and I was annoyed <gasps> both times. Please. Tell, tell us both He times. trolls the Animorphs, too. I think this is... I want to make an argument that this is Axe has learned to troll, which is, like, <laughs> like level tier four or five humor. Whoa. Go on. When he... Okay, so we haven't really talked about the Escort, but Mogul shows up in, like, this truly <laughs> horrifying, like, badly... I just imagine it... So Marco talks about the Matrix in the end. I just imagine it as, like, a really low-res, like, low-poly version of Agent Smith. Right? Like, and he... And then he has this awesome, like... He has like vocal bling, like as he talks, he's kind of like auto tuning himself. Like this is how I. He has like different voices. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Blended but into, but yeah. then Axe, yeah. Axe is just like, uh, and they're like, oh god, these escort. They can't look like us, but the only other option is for them to look like these like weird cartoon characters. <laughs> and Axe is like, I don't see what the problem would be. And and then there's everyone's like, wait, you actually think that Mogul's disguise is good? And Axe is like. Well, his vocal range is larger than normal, but surely humans would admire such an enhanced skill set. And I was like, is X trolling them right now? Because that's like, I, I, I think that that's pretty like dense, even for Axe. I, I want to say it's a troll. Yeah, I, I'm with it's you. Rogan. I think you're right. It's, it's Andalite humor. But then there's the, the Y-space thing. <laughs> I just... Do you want to read tell. it, Gray, or do you want me to read it? I don't know if I can bring myself to you. Okay, all right, I'm on it. 
Actually, that is an interesting scientific question, Axe said. Andalite physicists have long posited the existence of further non-spatial dimensions located inside Z-space, of corresponding increased complexity. It is possible that we will be extruded into a dimension past Z-space called Y-space, where- Nope, forget it. Sorry I asked. Morphing now. Let's get this clown car on the road. (laughs) Marco said. (laughs) Wait. But what does Marco say later? Because I think we need to read that. Yes. No, uh, this is continuation of Axe. Would you like to <laughs> continue that? So Axe has morphed. Axe has demorphed. And Marco and Cassie are both inside his head somewhere in Y space, we have to presume. I, I, I will not accept Y space. <laughs> I will not either. It, does, it is not fun. He's trolling them. Marco and Cassie wish you to know that they are alive and have not yet splatted on any Z space windshields, Axe said. Those are Marco's words, not mine. Can they not thought speak to us directly? Jake asked, sounding a little alarmed. Their morphed bodies are not present in our dimension, so they cannot thought speak, Axe said. Though I believe either of them can access my thought speak centers. I am a silly pony boy. He paused. That was Marco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gathered, Tobias said. <laughs> Marco is on fire. <laughs> Marco, uh, it's so good. Also, like, a little invasive to steal Axe's yeah. thoughts. But don't do it, but it's so centers. funny. <laughs> Did you get the other... I don't know if this is actually a Y-Space <laughs> reference, but um, the other place where I thought that he was trolling them was... I, mean, I don't think he's trolling them. <laughs> but I, I think this might be a subtle reference to the idea of Z and Y-Space. Uh-huh. Is later on, Axe corrects them and says... If my calculations are correct, the amount of data the escort extracted from our memories measures in the yottabytes. <laughs> escort information technology is extremely sophisticated in its ability to extract and compress data, but even the amount stored in a personal memory emitter would be multiple zettabytes. And I just <laughs> shut up. I think that's legit. Wait, no, those legit. are actual units. <laughs> Zetabytes and yatabytes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry, Chris. <laughs> Unfortunately, when the numbers get bigger, the names get silly. Uh, who is in charge Have you of heard this? Of Googleplex. Yes, that I've heard of. Yeah, yeah. Yatabyte is not as bad as Googleplex. <laughs> oh my god. Let's defamiliarize Googleplex. That's the stupidest number that's ever been named. No, I don't think it is. I think yatabyte is stupider. <laughs> <laughs> Two to the power of 80 bytes. That's a lot. That's a lot of bytes. Rachel has almost enough teeth for those bytes. And okay, so a zeta byte is two to the power of 70. I hate the world. I'm just, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so annoyed. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Ugh, that's don't worry. So many zeros. This only makes it slightly more likely that Y space exists. Wait, so does this mean that Z space is zeta space and Y space is yada space? That was what I was I have the to joke. Assume. I thought, I thought yeah. he was making a joke. <laughs> I don't. Maybe he was in some way. So, is the space that we're living in right now mega space or giga space? I mean, I'm obviously living in mega space, as I did not know any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have enough bites. Um, No, I mean, I didn't know that. I looked it up. Like what I no, I was just like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, to space like Y space, that is space like. I I, unfortunately. So does that mean Z space? I have no excuse. The other axe moment I liked is we learned that all is not well in communist space agriculture. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> he talks about so green biofilters being used on crops, and Marco makes a DDT joke. <laughs> and I'm like, this is actually interesting cultural complexity for the Andalites. <laughs> yeah, it's controversial, these like diffuse green biofilter 
pests over their crops. Yes. An excellent, also, 90s reference, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I liked how uh, several times Jake tried to get them to draw straws, and he kept getting cut off. Yes. They figured it out. Like, Jake, you need a new method. Speaking of the one-third of the time that they make bad plans, Jake, you have talked about this, buddy. You gotta stop. Well, he didn't didn't follow through. Assign people, let them volunteer. The short straw thing does not work unless you're rigging it. Mm-hmm. Which maybe I also, he was. I, yeah, there was also a great moment. This is just like so true to life. Where Rachel's like, she's like super wound up and like looking at Jake because he's making the plan. And Jake's like talking and then like he gives her a weird look. And Rachel's like, yeah, Jake gave me a weird look probably because I was staring at him like super intensely. And I was like, this is such a great moment of verisimilitude where Jake is like, I don't know what's going on with Rachel now, but I think I can ignore it. <laughs> really good Uh, it's like I love Rachel but I actually like if she were my friend it would probably be like she's alive yeah Yeah. (laughs) yes there was for some reason I there were two chi things that I really loved in this book oh Um, how have we not talked about the most important chi thing I'm sorry go on Oh, well, I don't know what you're going to say, but the, the one, I think it might be my favorite line in the book. When they bring Eric to, for, in for, like, damage control, they have discovered all the score, and Eric comes out of Cassie's barn, and he's like, so that's a lot of Iscord. <laughs> this is such a masterful understatement. Not only does Eric have to deal with these, like, ridiculous teenagers when he is, like... A gajillion years old, but now he has to deal with <laughs> 50 of these absolute weirdos. It's so funny. Just the funniest thing. My headcanon is that all that they make Eric do in this book, which is like kind of a lot, yeah, is yeah. just payment for the fact that they couldn't hide their damn ship any lower in the ocean to avoid what happened in the last book. Like, we saved you guys from having to do a bunch of work moving your ship around, and now you can entertain 56 escort for the rest of the day in payment. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. What was your favorite line from that? Uh, Chi moment, yeah. Chi Jenny comes back! (laughs) I'm working in the the yerk pool! You're an administrator in the yerk pool. Yeah, apparently. That wasn't a surprise to you. No, obviously, I knew that. Great, see the air quotes. Human Jenny. Human Jenny. I mean, obviously, this is a different entity from me. Right, I have never been an administrative employee in the yerk pool. But Andra Jenny, to whom I'm completely unconnected, is doing that. Got them some blueprints. You being an android would explain a lot about your memory around these books. (laughs) It actually would be very comforting. (laughs) I did do a detailed summary of this one. Very impressive. It was. What was your other favorite cheat thing? Like the cheat are basically, so like the escort were like, oh, we're going to fight Mr. Three. Okay, no, we'll just go to Cassie's barn. And now we need to see the other site. We haven't talked about the escort. We're going to talk about the escort. We haven't seen the important, like, Sites of cultural significance to the Animorphs, mm-hmm. such as the middle school and the Cinnabon. <laughs> and then they're like, no, you can't do that. You really can't do that. And they're like, well, then we'll stay here. And they're like, no, 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 Also, no. So the, the plan is that, that Eric will take, or the Chi will take the escort out into the woods. But then they have a really nice moment. And I... It's later. It's when they go back to visit the escort so that everyone can acquire them. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so it's just nice. The Chi are doing their best. Imagining it. Eric and Jenny, I guess, hanging out for the escort. <laughs> I'm working, I mean, she is working in the yerk pool right now, so. <laughs> still making their, like, 
<laughs> Noise. We went to find the escort, who were excitedly stargazing while one of the chief told them stories about the constellations. Mm. I didn't recognize the stories. They were either made up or from cultures that never got around to writing much down. Either way, the escort were eating them up. And, like, usually we get the chi referencing how old they are by making some joke about Moses or about the New Deal. But this is actually a really sweet way of, like, imagining the value that the chi provides to potentially society. Right? I just, I love the idea that, like, they've been around Solomon. It's like, oh, yeah, this is actually, the escort wanted stupid, like, they want to visit a Cinnabon. But actually, they're getting some, like, cool stories from lost human civilizations. Sumerian star myths. I have a lot of things about the Escort, and then I have one thing about Tobias, which is, as precious as he is to me, I just feel so bad for him, because when he gets, like, deleted from reality, and, like, there's, like, this moment of panic, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, being in the wrong body, pretty bad. Having no body, <laughs> definitely worse. This is not fair. <laughs> Tobias gets trapped as a bird forever. Mm-hmm. He finds out, like, you know, that his whole family was a lie. He gets tortured for no reason, and then he gets deleted from reality and trapped in his girlfriend's brain. Right? Like, this is not fair. This should not all happen to the one best animal. Poor Tobias. Can I also say, I feel that we have forgotten over the course of the last couple of books to talk about the fact that Tobias was, as they point out in this book, recently held captive and tortured by the Hierarchs. Yes. They didn't get anything out of him that mattered, but he still doesn't like to talk about it. One, yeah, <laughs> no shit. Thank you for sharing that. But also, do you remember like a couple books ago when Tobias was captured and then tortured for, for an hours? entire book? Mm-hmm. I do. These books are just, they're, they're for middle grade. <laughs> middle Cassie grade and Rachel is- remember too. And they try to keep him from being put in a position where he might get captured and tortured again. How nice of that. But it doesn't work. <laughs> he puts himself in that position anyway. These they don't books- get captured, but still. These- he gets deleted instead. D- Middle grade starts at eight <laughs> years old. Yes. I just yeah, that's a that's a good point. Did this one also often, go over the line for you? No, not as bad as many of the ones we've read recently. But I just every so often feel it incumbent upon me when we're reminded <laughs> of the torture book to point out that There's these a torture are book middle grade <laughs> books for middle grader mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yet torture book. Yeah. That's all. Yet execution. Community center, I said. That was where Tobias had been tortured. <laughs> oh, jeez, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Go on. That, that, I don't think she said that out loud. No, she no, I know. <laughs> but honestly, that is, like, Rachel would just be very mad at Like, yeah. the thing is, Rachel is not the best person to support Tobias in this matter, right? <laughs> I mean, she She's giving him support in her this. own way. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. like... She's going she's gonna to be the kind of person who was like, yeah, it's such that you got tortured, right? She's going to put it like that. Yeah. She's not going to be like, remember that bad time with Taylor? Right? Yeah, that was really rough that one time when we had to go to the community center. <laughs> that was nice. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's I a torture like... place, right, Tobias? <laughs> Some people have memory palaces. Tobias has a torture place. <laughs> I feel like he, he likes the bluntness really and appreciates it. Yeah. He doesn't want to be given the runaround. And, yeah, oh. he, he doesn't like to be pitied. And he appreciates that Rachel is forthright with things. Dating the right person. Yes. Yes, they are. They are wonderful together. Yes, they are. I have some more Discord thoughts. Yeah. But I want to, I mean, you, you called it great. I want to hear your first impressions. <laughs> Queen of Predictions. Yes, um, definitely. Mostly I was just very pleased when they, I mean, they don't go to the Discord planet, which is what I thought was going to happen. It's really far away. 
But when the escort showed up, I was very, first of all, I was very confused because they show up by there being somebody who looks like Rachel. And I was like, what is happening? Also, <laughs> why are they in a gas station? I'm so confused about this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we will get to 90s moments soon. I was like, yeah, a bunch of kids are hanging out in a gas station. It feels very 90s. And I was like, actually, I never did that. And I don't know anyone who ever did that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, bizarre. They're trying to, like, no, examine yeah, they're things doing surveillance, the whatever. whatever. <laughs> yeah. But then the escort showed up and what? Crazy. And make a number of various things. And I think the escort planet was your first 37 prediction. Oh, really? I think that started the whole yeah, 37 probably. thing. So just extra amazing. Just extra kudos for you. Great job, me. Thank you. I only want to point out also that Rachel says the escort are about as menacing as a substitute teacher, <laughs> which is an amazing description. I like them even better out of context than in context. <laughs> Also, the idea that they have basically this cosplay guild is—it <laughs> just—it tickles me every time. Like when Mogul is like, "An escort of the, you know, theatrical, acting, guild. theatrical guild would never break character." <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. This is so bad. And then the really, really, really bad and super, like, trope-aware, like, acting, when, like, they first meet Marco Escort, and Marco Escort is like, I am Marco. I am ready for the mission. I'm going to say a joke, but no one will laugh. <laughs> Genius. Genius. It's so funny. Also, the the um, member of the theatrical guild, who's the one who gets captured, mm-hmm. his name is Actor. <laughs> Son of stagehand. <laughs> Hilarious. You know, we were wondering in Visser if they have family relationships. We see in this, we had already seen in mm-hmm. 26 that they do, because, like, Guide is, like, son of skin yeah. seller or whatever. Mm-hmm. I also, I like the, the bit where, well, they're like, we'll give you the next chapter in the saga of Arthur. Mm-hmm. And Mogo basically... He's like, I could start a subscription service. <laughs> and then I was like, Mogul just invented Space Netflix. <laughs> and then I was like, Before no, real it's the Netflix 90s, existed. he invented Space HBO. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I but I like to think really that Applegrat or the Ghost Rider just really foresaw the, whole, the, the streaming the service like, the, industry. The Animorphs are like, the only reason they tolerate this at all is because the tension is so high from the beginning, right? Like, they're so frustrated. And Mogul keeps being like, friends! Oh, it's so great to see you! And Jake is like, why do I have to keep talking to this creature? He's so annoying. He's putting our entire mission and lives at risk. It's just... Oh, God, why and, and, like, it's just so... It's just, like, really silly for, like, about the first half. And then, like, it kind of pivots. It's so good. I love it. Uh, and I actually, that part was great. It was a great Marco moment because while Jake is the one who eventually, you know, shakes hands on this deal, Marco mm, true. is totally the one who get, figures out the best way to get around yep. Mogul yep. and how to get him what he needs. Very clever. It is amazing. Mar- he like does this whole negotiation about, okay, listen, we're a hot commodity. Everyone Top wants chart memories. Go yeah. platinum. Here's how, yeah, here's how this could be. Like you can go platinum within a week. It's worth a lot. So here's the deal. Like, you're going to do this. We're going to do this. And Mogul's like, but I already booked tours to your planet. Marco's like, well, <laughs> maybe you could set aside some premium mem- memories just for them. You know, no one else can view them for six months. That kind of thing. They get to brag to all their friends about it. And Mogul's like, this is genius. <laughs> and comes up with a sub- subscription service. But like, Marco, 
A plus, yeah, man. This yeah, is he yeah. is going to if he can get his head. He's of his going ass to business briefly, school. He's going to business school. Well, <laughs> then he doesn't have to get. <laughs> Zing. No, he's going to be great. <laughs> well, I was gonna. Oh no. Mogul's the worst. <laughs> He's so annoying. I have the other escort who's like, Mogul is renowned on our planet for his business acumen. You are so lucky to be trading with him. And Rachel's like, yep, we feel real lucky right now. Thrilled. <laughs> Anything else about the escort? <laughs> no, I just really wanted to celebrate their return. <laughs> oh, man. Right. I had to save them again. Failed at saving them. Actor is dead now. Was it a Heinz catch-up reference that there were exactly 57? Why would it... Be. I don't know. That's just what I thought of when I heard that number. God, I hope I guess there's no way to know. I have so much Rachel and Tobias stuff. They're holding hands can, at I the beginning. And at the end. And at the end. We love it. But can we talk about the cute ending? I Let's didn't actually take any ending. notes on it, but it's really cute. So cute. I just basically I can't believe the Matrix is, is already out. Like, this well, is like Phantom Menace is already no, out. I know, but it's like I, I always imagine the Animorphs taking place in like 1997, mm-hmm. and now it's like it's yeah. clearly almost 2000. I'm like, I'm yeah. not ready for the you know, mm. like why Y2K? are they talking about Y2K? Right? <laughs> yeah. like, Axe would Maybe be like will. Axe would be sneering constantly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, it's so good. So they've they've done. But is this, all is this early 99 or early 2000 now? So you've got mail came out in late 98. Mm-hmm. So if they have it in VHS, I think it's probably mid 99. Okay. But it seems like it's new, like they haven't all seen it, it's, you know. Phantom Menace came out in 99. Mm-hmm. Okay, then yeah, it's, it's 99. It might be getting towards 2000. Matrix also came out in 99. Right. So they are, they've completed their mission, they're going home, Marco wants to watch Matrix, and instead they decide to watch You've Got Mail on VHS, because Kathy <laughs> owns it. Axe says, You've Got Mail is a high-stakes human emotional drama. Tobias and I found it highly enjoyable when we watched it last week. Uh, Axe, remember how we weren't going to tell anybody about that, Tamaya said? It is amazing. Axe gives a summary of the movie, which is <laughs> so bad and awesome. <laughs> Everyone gets along. They're snuggling on the couch. Cassie's on Jake's lap. I mean, Whoa. Like, I know. Whoa. Yeah, okay. We, we need to stop <laughs> right there. How old are these teenagers <laughs> sitting on somebody's lap when you're like 15? It's risque. That's a very risque and a huge deal. Like, yeah. potentially game-changer in their relationship. Whoa, whoa. I guess not in, like, a specific and gross way. I just mean, no. like, I feel like this is more PDA than we've seen from them. It's yeah. definitely more PDA than we've seen from them. I'm trying to remember my group of friends <laughs> at that age. Okay, so... Mm, we, I don't know. We had a lot of cut of bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, we had... There was this thing in my high school, which we can cut if it turns out to be super embarrassing. <laughs> but one of the, like, theater kid activities was a sort of, like... I guess it was like Never Have I Ever-ish, but we mm-hmm. called it the chair game. And it was about going around and like saying a thing that you had done or not done. And then you have to move whether it's true or not. But there's a fixed mm. number of chairs. So you end up like yeah. stacked up on each other's laps and stuff. I remember that game. And then the question the question that. that broke the game and was always said and always a delight was the, have you ever lied in order to sit on someone's lap or have someone sit on your lap? Right. And then you could like... Oh, you know, trying to like, catch your crush's eye, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, just a perfect time. Oh, man. Teenagers. So that, that's what this made very me think good. of. It's like, if they're just sitting on their laps, like, all, like, without having a whole elaborate game excuse for it, I feel like they've really, you mm, know, mm-hmm. settled yeah. into it. I mean, they're, like, boyfriend and girlfriend now. Yeah. It's a big deal. They use those terms. 
they kiss sometimes when they're not about to die or haven't just survived. I mean, have we no, seen that yet? we mm-hmm. don't actually know <laughs> Okay, that. okay, you're right. Maybe this means they're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that it's like the six of them sitting on a couch. Cuddle. Friend style. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm so happy. They're just vegging out, she says. <laughs> a phrase I have not used since approximately 1979, <laughs> but which I think should come back. Oh, so cute. Cassie made popcorn. Axe ate the whole bowl before anyone else got any. Marco complained about the sappiness, then spent five minutes shouting at Tom Hanks when he didn't go into the cafe to meet Meg Ryan, which is, by the way, something that my partner did recently. <laughs> that was pretty. I think it was this movie where it was like, I can't believe how silly this movie is. Why isn't he doing the thing? <laughs> Love it. Such a good trope. A plus when it happens in real life. Mm-hmm. And then Rachel's leaning her head against Tobias's shoulder. Yeah, and the relationship has been strengthened by yeah. seeing each other's minds. I love it. Very as improbable as it is. It's so sweet. <laughs> I love it. I want it to be true. No, I really love it. This book is great. You've come around. I've come around. I really like it. <laughs> nice. I'm glad. Yeah. Do we want to talk about more 90s moments? You guys are so many good 90s moments. I have a question. What's yeah. the deal with Kevin's hair? This was like, this went totally over my head. I have no idea what Kevin's hair is about. <laughs> well, so what are the Backstreet Boys? No, I know Kevin's hair, but like, what's the deal with his hair? Is that like, it's supposed to be a I guess he had thing? good hair. I don't know. No, you have to, have you, did you look up a picture of a No, I wanted you guys like? to tell me. Oh, okay. Did you read this and be like, I know what that means? Or I was like, too cool for the Backstreet Boys because I thought being into mainstream things wasn't cool. Oh my God. Um, so I OG, was OG hipster. Exactly. I was just into Animorphs, not the Backstreet Boys. Jennifer, no name Chi. <laughs> I was like, who's Jennifer? <laughs> Beep boop. Let's not confuse. So not programmed to respond to that. <laughs> okay. So this is the Backstreet Boys in 1999. Guess which one is Kevin? This one? No. This one? Yes. So what's the deal with his hair? Well, it's he's long. sort of Marco-ish hair. So he had kind of like, I don't know, it was like pushed back. And then I think eventually... I might be misremembering this. I think he was the first one who got frosted tips. Oh. <laughs> if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Have frosted tips been explicitly called out in the Animar series yet? Because I, I think so. that's a missed so. 90s moment. Oh. Maybe Jake, Marco will get Jake them after this. Jake has had them this whole time. This is my name <laughs> for Jake. No. He oh, totally has. So, like, yeah. in, in 33, when he's facing off against Fisser 3 at that banquet, he has frosted tips. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> but, yeah, the Marco says, you know, Tobias is like, man, we're really messing up the escort's vacation. And Marco's like, they should have known. Earth has got to be, like, super low on the intergalactic tourism list. Your invasion, hole in the ozone layer, 90s reference. Plus, the Backstreet Boys just released a new single. They sure did. Oh, man. Also, oh, no, no, no. Best possible 90s reference happens in this book. Best possible. Which one? Better than Furbies? Better than Furbies. Whoa. Better than Beanie Babies, which also come up in this book. Very great. Nope. It's like Cinderella, but without (laughs) Whitney Houston or that guy from Seinfeld. (laughs) Yes! Randy Cinderella is the best Cinderella. Yes. Bar none. And the fact that that is his reference made me so happy. And also, do you know who says that? Marco. It, it fits. It checks all he the boxes. He loves that movie. That yeah. totally checks and out. And also Peter Pan, apparently. Also Peter Pan. I also, that. I also like that he knows Brandy Cinderella better than Seinfeld for some reason. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. guy from Seinfeld is unusually vague for Marco, but like, it works. Yeah, right? it totally does. Um, pick any beanie baby on your shelf. Chances are I've turned into it. Grizzly bear, elephant, bald eagle, a dolphin, a shark. Are those all beanie babies? Was there a grizzly bear beanie baby? There's definitely many bears. Right, but they're all like teddy bears. Yeah, is there one that's like really bear. grizzled? Do we think... 
that Rachel collected Beanie Babies? Like, do you think she would have known the exact, like... Probably, right? It it's seems like the kind of she, thing she would have. She They're never mentioned. I mean, as much as she loves fashion and stuff, she never talks about it in, like, a gotta catch them all oh, way. yeah. So I don't know yeah. if she'd be into the collectory side of it. She doesn't really follow trends. Like, she's not into the, like... Right. Maybe yeah. fashion trends, but, like, she's not, like, into whatever the kids at school right. are into because she doesn't really like, get along with them. I don't know. I could see her with, like, this is my Beanie Baby room. And mm-hmm. it's, like, perfect. <laughs> right. Maybe but, Jordan collects Beanie Babies. Yes, oh, yeah. That's, that's right. true, actually. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And Rachel's like, I'm saving the world. I don't really have time for that. Yeah. But cool. I know what kind of animals they might have. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not cockroaches, ants, or fleas. Although, there was a beetle I looked up. Really? I'm so glad that you did the due diligence on that. You're welcome. That's what I was Much doing appreciated. instead of actually finishing the book. <laughs> Probably had more time, time well spent. Thank you. You're welcome. There's also a great Mr. Rogers reference. Oh, yeah. The second time Marco has referenced Mr. Rogers. Yeah. What was the Mr. Rogers reference? <laughs> um, I forgot about that. <laughs> that last reference was so good. <laughs> so good. Marco's uh, narrating We who's coming... Uh, out of the like, limo and stuff, and he's like, Bajir, we've got a couple humans, Chapman, and oh, look, it's the man himself. Is there three, I said? No, actually, Mr. Rogers, Marco said. I know, I was surprised too. I guess he really wanted to be our neighbor. And Cassie just completely ignores him. <laughs> if Mr. Three's here, it might mean they're taking our conversation. Yeah, she <laughs> that's Cassie's MO. That's she's really good at that. That's the way you deal with Marco. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Do we have anything else we really want to say about this book? They do use a dragonfly morph. Finally. Oh, so oh, yeah. true. As our commenters have suggested they do mm-hmm. numerous times. And they use the Cobra again, which I think is underused. They I do. Agree. I yeah. That's all I know that I have one last thing, which is do you remember what they call it when Rachel morphs the grizzly while Tobias is morphing the hawk? <laughs> I do, but I want to hear you say it, Gray. Like I was some kind of bear angel. <laughs> Why? What does that? Why? Uh, so ridiculous. I like to think that they were like extra large wings because they were proportional <clears throat> to a bear body. So she was a bear with like enormous wings. Completely ridiculous. Yes. Yes, it was. That is all I have. Okay. So do you want to do prediction or should we explain the thing about the ghostwriter? Let's explain the thing about the ghostwriter. Is there a reason that the front cover... I have not read enough about the front cover. There is. A reason. <laughs> so, we didn't really talk about the ghostwriting in this one. Yeah. But do you have any idea about who the ghostwriter was? What else they wrote? Oh, I don't. Um, one of the ones that I liked. That's all I'm narrowing it down to because <laughs> I can't remember any of the ones that I liked. Um, uh, the Tobias book. No. I don't know. How did you feel about Melanomorphs? Melanomorphs? What? I'm so confused. <laughs> What was what was Melanomorphs? You remember Melanomorphs? The one where the Anamorphs are older. Oh, I I and they oh that Melanomorphs. Yes, that Melanomorphs. Oh, I loved it very. Did Jenny write this? Jenny wrote it. I wrote it. <laughs> actually, I actually wrote it. So in December, Ted and I were like, "Wouldn't it be fun if we wrote a new version of Thirty Seven where some of Gray's predictions for the series came true?" What? And then we got together and we're like, okay, we definitely can't do all the things. What can we fit in here? Okay, getting to the Iscord homeworld is a big stretch. Let's have them come here. Why would they do a megamorph? And guess what Saraya means in Russian? I don't know what. It means gray. <sighs> what? <laughs> so Ted and I outlined you it. You guys wrote a book for me? <laughs> yes. 
Yes, we did. And that's why the cover, that's why the cover doesn't sense. make any sense. That's why they kill someone in cold blood and do a megamorph and do a nesting doll. Uh, that's why the Yerks finally get some good advice. <laughs> that's why there's actually good Rachel Tobias content. <laughs> that's why there's good Rachel Tobias content. I was feeling, I actually like, I felt really bad about this for about 30 seconds when you were like, I don't know, you were saying something about how you were so glad this happened though. And I was like, oh no, it's not real. It's not, okay, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, okay, so this is not an Animorphs book at all. That does explain why it's kind of better than the other ones. <laughs> Thank you, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote it and then Ted edited it and then Liz proofread it. And uh, Ted took the text and he uh, he put it into the Kindle version. And then we told you that you couldn't use the Amazon version <laughs> and put the fake version on our website. Okay, so the the five minutes before this started, when I was staring at the front cover and the book going, did I read the wrong book? Because I'm seriously concerned that I read the wrong book. Actually, I feel much better about it now. <laughs> yeah, no, we we thought about trying to edit the front cover, but like, like we don't have Photoshop. It's like a really complicated pattern. Also, like, you we, didn't even, we didn't even look at it, the cover, until we were putting it together, and we were like... Oh, for once it says specifically yeah, we, in the plot of the book is. We it was like two up. days before we recorded <laughs> really 36, and we were like, oh no, okay, maybe she won't remember. You guys! <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you ended up Why are you it. always so nice to me? This is the best thing that's ever happened, and I loved it so much. That's good. I'm glad you aren't curious that we lied to you for two hours of recording. No, you lie to me all the time. It's fine. <laughs> Excellent. I don't mind that you lied to me. I can't believe you talked about this with such seriousness. It was so fun. Yeah, so like, let's rewind the tape a little bit. At the beginning of this, I can't believe you guys have been lying to me for months about all this stuff. It definitely happened in the series. Why instead it was stuff that definitely didn't happen, and we just had to keep it up. We just had to keep it up for this conversation. Oh my god! I can't believe you guys let me say I was queen of predictions like three times. How dare you? I mean, you are. That's still true. How dare <laughs> you guys are amazing and also the worst and also amazing we talked That's for what we were two aiming for. hours about a book that jenny wrote a month ago first of I all mean, i really enjoyed it jenny is the very best at writing because this it's, is so good yeah, jenny it's so good it's so it's good really this good is, guys i was born to be an animorphs ghostwriter you were and it's really sad that i was 14 at the time and couldn't do this. This is the reason I was confused my, about the reveal yeah. because I was like, weren't you 14? <laughs> is your name Elise Smith? I'm so confused. Oh my god. No, okay. This makes That's reasonable sense. confusion. Yeah, no, no, no. I wrote it last month. It, it honestly never would have occurred to me and I'm so yes. happy that it didn't because I enjoyed this so much and too. the reveal was so good. <laughs> also, I'm so confused and still... <laughs> Now I'm going to read to you every single one of my notes <laughs> from the beginning. If you want to find us, we are at Animorphology.com and at Animorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the books on our website. Yeah, so why space? Not canon. Not canon at all. Thank God. <laughs>